You don't even have. Do you have an opening for your show yet? Like the thing no. that you say. I literally just you know, I'll chance now. I'll probably start it like just like a minute ago. <laughs> oh, perfect. Whatever. Okay, so um, hi everyone. I'm taking over Hike's podcast. Welcome to the Studio Quarter Podcast. Yeah. This is so it's weird for you to sit in that seat now. Well, I'm always sitting over there. It's you know what I. I'm very proud of myself because sitting in this side, I'm looking at all these like cool banners. It's really nice. It, I you know, told I'm you, looking it's at this very... all day. This like blue background. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Someday no, I'll have nice. a big you know backdrop, but yeah, this is cool. It is cool. Okay, so um, we were talking earlier, and you were like getting nervous, and I hope I don't. I always get nervous before interviews because I'm really scared that I'll like say something you're not supposed to not even that it's just losing train of thought or yeah all of that i always get really nervous about that but this will be easy. like i'm so excited because i've never actually gotten to interview someone i'm being interviewed before. by a star this okay. is like a dream come true <laughs> no it's not <laughs> <laughs> but like you're also one of the most fascinating people that i know Wow. that's yeah Thank like you. i i think you're wildly interesting and every time i come over here like we always end up having great talks. Yeah, so it's much appreciated. Is it? It's not every day you get to meet someone that you can have those talks with. That is true. We were is, just talking for an hour, and yeah. I always. Last time I came for my interview, we did the same thing, and we were like, "Yeah, Fuck, dude, we talked why for like we... two hours before the last?" The yeah, first and then time you were like, on. "Don't, we can't." Next I was like, time "Stop talking, do... stop talking, stop Save talking it for now. the show." Yeah. Um, so, so we talked about a lot that I kind of wish that you would say on here, but like, I'm sure I kind of had questions around that anyway. Let's do it. Okay. So what I want to know, I'm just asking all the questions that I want to know about. All right. Let's get into it. So how, how old were you when you started playing music of any kind? Okay. I started playing guitar at five. But that's like a real interesting, like, because, you know, they have videos of kids when they're like, oh, when you were like two, you were drumming on the like boxes and this and that, you know, on the pans. Yeah. 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 So I knew, I mean, I, as a, as a little kid sitting in the car seat, I used to like, you know, I always move and stuff like that. But, yeah. Um, at three, I knew at three, I knew I wanted to be a rock star or I wanted to you know, be a musician. Yeah. And uh, at five, I started taking guitar lessons. Wow. Played that shit till my fingers bled too. Well, how did you decide? Did you always know that it was the guitar for you? Or yeah, it was. Really? Um, you know, and it's funny as I've had this conversation with a lot of people hitting my own mics with a lot of people because uh, people that spend their lives and they don't actually know like what their one calling is or you know they just yeah you know like oh yeah they always say oh you're lucky you've always known and I always have trouble with that statement because it's true and I can't relate to them and I feel kind of guilty about it. Like that's interesting. I just I've always known. I've always wanted it. I picked it up, and since five years old, I, you know, I used to practice two hours a day at five with a tiny little guitar. It's all I did. Wow. It's until this day, it's all I want. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I want more, but. No, I understand yeah. that though, because that was the other question that I had. Is uh, you know, obviously, I've heard you play, and you're insane. <laughs> Thank you. And um, you know, it's when you're really good at something, everybody is like oh, it's, you know, you make it look so easy or whatever. It just comes easy to you. But, like, I know for a fact that that's not no, true. Yeah. So when you felt that pull towards that, like, how how long were you practicing to get where you are now to the point where, like, you do make everything look insanely easy? Like, after I come over here for a jam <laughs> session, I'm like, oh, I could totally go home and do that. 
and I know that I can't, but it does pop in your mind. Well, first, let me clarify. <clears throat> I don't think I'm a great guitar player regarding like technique and making things look easy. There are some <laughs> guitar players out there that are like freaking 13. Yeah. That I couldn't do half the things they do. Um, that being but of said, course you think that. <laughs> but let me clarify. Like there are guitar players that blow me out of the water technically with their own styles and stuff. Right. But for me, um, so I guess what you're asking is that when did I? At what point? How much did I have to practice? Or what? 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 What's? Is it? What point? Point did I feel like I was? Uh, like how long did it? It's really a two part. Like how long were you practicing every day okay. for how how much time? Because you know there's that the old adage the ten thousand yeah. hours all of that. But also like. When did you start to feel like you were a musician? Like okay. you clicked Good into question. that? Good question. I like that question. Um, so at five, I mean, I started I uh, started taking lessons and there was only so much I could practice and learn. I was five years old and uh, I practiced as much as I could. Um, I also just played it a lot. You know, I would learn a chord and just I would play that chord for hours. I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, I... Uh, Got it. My third grade teacher actually taught me guitar lessons for a while, um, and he taught me some cool stuff. And then eventually, I at eleven, I met my mentor Charlie Charlie Lynn. He was the first guest on the show, actually. Yeah. And that's when I started learning like scales, this and that, and like so. I guess throughout that whole time, I had always practiced. wasn't really something that was difficult for me. I was always practicing with at least an hour a day, maybe two hours. I was always playing, mm -hmm. um, and. So the discipline side of it, well, I guess, kind of came early just because I love doing it so much. Um, at the point where I felt like I was a real musician was when uh, probably when I was about 13, I, I guess around 13 or 14, I was I got comfortable with scales. I was getting good at like soloing and jamming. And my guitar teacher, Charlie, he was very adamant about like, you know, using and applying what you learn and you know being able to jam because that's you know that's the ultimate skill jamming with someone picking up an instrument never talking to them never meeting them and going to town right right um i remember i went to a rock city studios in camarillo charlie's american parents opened that up uh they're not they don't own it anymore but they opened it up and every saturday was a blues jam and i went and i was like 13 little kid with my little like blue jackson guitar Aww. and the youngest person other than me was like maybe 62 <laughs> it was a bunch of old blues cats just like you know jamming That's away amazing, harmonicas though. yeah and they saw me walk in like all right let's give the little kid a chance and i was able to play with them wow. you know it was just simple blues scales but like for me like i felt so good and i never wanted to stop doing that right. um and then i had a friend growing up that i would play guitar with for hours that was kind of the, the musician feeling like a musician is when i had people to jam with and play with um i think what that led to though was the idea of being able to jam always reminded you of you of your limits where what where when do i run out when right. do I, I when do i feel like i can't go anywhere and the idea of practice and wanting to practice so much looking back and i couldn't tell you this if i was five years old I, I didn't know why i was doing it when i was 11 i didn't know why i was doing it but looking back i can say that there was a sense of freedom that i wanted and that i recognized mm -hmm. and i had to get there and practicing was the only way i could get there so when i picked that guitar up and i did jam and feel like a musician it was freedom it was total freedom yeah interesting so instinctually instinctually yeah yeah that's how you <clears throat> felt that was one of my questions too because you mentioned charlie so how important I guess you can only answer this in the in a retrospective yeah. way, but like being where you are now, both like in maturity and in your skill set, like mm -hmm. how important do you think mentorship is to the process of becoming 
I guess, um, an ever growing, ever evolving musician? Like, do you think that it's a really important part of that or no? Hmm. Or do you think it's uh, it's an individual When you say experience. mentorship, do you mean like a teacher, someone to... Yeah, somebody to... Whether it's a teacher or somebody that's... Um, a musical mentor, basically. Yeah, somebody that's encouraging you or giving you advice or... I think it's 100% necessary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even if you're self-taught, you have to understand that, you know, or people that say like, oh, I play by ear. People have great ears out there. Yeah. But there's a reason why we have theory. Theory was built off of what sounded good. That's right. where theory came from, right? Yeah. And it's this idea that the more you understand something, the more freedom you're going to have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like learning a language. If you learn all the words, you get to create better sentences. You can communicate more feelings. Right. You know, and that's the guitar is the same thing. You know, music's the same thing. And having someone teach you along the way is so important. And I think to go a little deeper on that is if you can find someone that can teach you in person mm -hmm. is a huge factor. Um, I Growing up, I... You know, a lot of people use YouTube and it's a great tool. Yeah. A lot of people are taking courses online and they're learning all this great stuff. But having someone in the room with you while you learn something and then applying it and sharing it with with a mentor, that I think my my most of my growth came from sitting in those tiny little rooms with Charlie for like two hour lessons and just like teaching me this really hard scale and then him playing chords and me having to like play with him. Like those moments create like allowed me to go home and grow. Yes. Allowed me to feel it because I felt like I had someone teaching me. Yes. I didn't feel alone in the process. Also, there, I mean, like anything else, there are things that you're just not going to know. Yeah. And someone needs to be there to tell you. You shouldn't yeah. have to, you shouldn't have to mess up constantly to learn lessons. Like you don't, you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Especially when you're learning something like an instrument. It's a, it's, it's about freedom. It's about the freedom to express yourself. It's about, you have a lot of things you want to say and you're trying to learn how to say them. You don't need to just make noises until someone recognizes a word. Right. Have someone teach you the language, learn the language, and then speak. Yes. I, I The only thing that I can relate that to that is um, when I'm trying to feel that freedom in a scene, it's the same thing as um, really making sure that you've memorized the lines, that yeah. you could do it in your sleep. So then that's the only thing. Like, that would be my... Yeah, it's but my it's, music, you know, like that education of like you can't have the freedom until it is ingrained in your brain. Well, it becomes it becomes you don't have to think about it. You yeah, know, like like what I, you were saying, a second language. Growing up, I knew a lot of guitar players that were you know self taught or they didn't take lessons. They were just like they played by ear. Yeah, and more power to them. But you know, they'd always make comments like degrading comments to me, like oh. I don't want to get stuck in like, you know, being stuck in a scale, this and that. I'm like, but that's not what it's about. Learning this stuff, you know, once it becomes so, in, like you said, ingrained in your brain, yeah. you don't think, I'm not thinking about playing a pentatonic scale or like a mode or anything. I'm not thinking about that. Yes. My body and my, my muscle memory has adapted to the understanding of the shape of this thing and what sounds they make so I can freely express. You know, it's it's almost like taking this leap of faith with like, I'm going to fill my brain with knowledge, hoping that someday I can speak freely. You know? I love that. That's a really cool... I've never heard anybody explain it because I love music and I love to noodle around with different things. Yeah. But part of the reason that I never call myself as a, a musician is because I... That's how, how... What you just explained is like how I look at musicians. Is like this is a... This is an insanely difficult 
uh, craft. It's very important to the world as well. Like music is the universal language. Yeah. So like, sure, I can, you know, write what? something or whatever, but there I get I can't have um I get intimidated by talking to musicians sometimes because it's it's one or the other, either like yeah. somebody who's very well versed in theory or somebody like the people that you're talking about. And where once it's again, like, I'm not like a theory master. Like I'm so I think I'm terrible when it comes to that stuff. But yeah. the point is there's I mean, but you also educate yourself like there's We'll put it this way. I think the best way to, you know, anybody can pick up a drumsticks and play drums. Anybody can pick up a guitar and make noise. Yeah. I can go out and tell lies. It doesn't mean I'm an actor. <laughs> well played. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the absolutely. Same. Like I can convince everyone of a lie. Yeah. And they can believe that, but that doesn't mean I'm an actor. Right. Doesn't mean I'm a phenomenal, you know, I can't dive into a role. Right. You know, it's uh, yeah. But like, oh, well, if you can do that, sure. But does it, does that really mean that? Does it mean it's just because I can convince someone of a, of a total fib that, you know, that I'm, I have the this other that I ability. can go do what you do. Yeah, like no. Do you get offended when people sort of um, allude to being able to do what you do that you've spent your whole life studying this and working towards this? Like, do you ever get offended when people maybe make it seem a lot simpler than it is? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I get offended. I think everyone has their own journey and has their own path on how they get to where they want to go. Yeah, and I think you know, music itself isn't exactly, a, it's, I mean, it's not an industry, you know, mm -hmm. music itself is above that. We have a music industry, but it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and creativity in general, uh, everyone has their own path and their own, and their own wants. And, you know, if someone wants to be at this level and stay there, then great. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to consider you someone great. Right. At what you do. It doesn't make you a bad person, but it just doesn't make you fucking, you know, yo-yo ma. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, like you're yeah. not going to be that. Yeah. Uh, offensive wise, I mean, for some people, maybe it is easy. I'm not them. Like maybe, and like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's like the hardest thing in the world. It just takes time and want. And you, you really have to pay attention to who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Because like we talked about earlier, you know, a, a instrument of any form of creativity is just an avenue for you to express yourself. So if you don't know who you are, if, you, if you're not interested in discovering that, then, you know, it doesn't matter how much theory, you know, it doesn't matter how technically genius you are. Like, it's right. not going to mean shit. Yeah. You know, so th there's there's two sided thing. I think everyone has separate skills and uh, learns things differently. But I don't know if I would be offended if someone made it look easy or talked about how easy it was. I think I would be a, a frustrated if someone was quick to diminish someone else's efforts because they're afraid to put it in themselves. Yeah. Um, Like... I'm not going to name names while I'm here. <laughs> I went and saw a show the other night. Yeah. And this guy has a lot of ego okay. and a lot of attitude, um, a lot of personality. He seems to have a lot of friends. Um, and I don't want to be too judgmental, but just looking at the scene, you can kind of get the vibe. Mm -hmm. And he talks a big game. Mm -hmm. Well, I went and saw his show. Um, and it was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. No way. He had absolutely zero skills. Yeah. Uh, he very clearly does not practice what he does. Mm -hmm. He Everything comes from a very surface level, and he's doing it purely to to get the attention. And I don't need him to lie to me for me to you know be convinced otherwise, because it's the truth. I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, and but the stage he was playing on, it wasn't a stage, but that for you know visual purposes, that that's that's the biggest stage he's gonna get. 
Yeah. And that's fine because he has his friends around him because that, that's great. More power to him. My issue with that is not that he's doing it. Is not, I mean, I you know respect anybody that gets up in front of uh, people and can like share something. My issue is when you stand up in front of people and you say to the audience, I'm here to share my stuff. You make a statement. You say that what you have is worthy of them to listen to along with you to listen to. Right. So when you go up there and you provide shit, you're insulting everyone listening. Yeah. And I know that's really high. Like it's, I have high, high standards for this, and I know it's really harsh. And, he, and it, the point is, like, it, it could be a song that I don't even like, but if you have clearly practiced as hard as you could yeah, and you made it the best you could, and I can see that, it could be the worst-sounding song in the world, and I'd still respect you for it. Yeah. You know? But when people go up there and, like, I learned the G chord and the D chord and the E chord, and I've been strumming those for the last 10 years. And they go on stage and they play the same song 15 times in a row. Yeah. And they can barely hold the chords down and there's muted sounds and they're singing off key and they clearly didn't practice or run their set or they didn't even think about the order of the songs. Like, as a musician, yeah, that offends me. Yeah. That pisses me off because I'm like, you made a statement and you insult everyone you say that because it's about being able to connect. And if you don't provide that service, if you don't put that time into it, mm -hmm. you're basically asking everyone else to put that in for you. And no one wants to do that. But do you think that that... Um because over the years, obviously, like our society has changed a lot since social media has come into the picture, like, and you've been playing music long enough to move through that mm -hmm. whole movement. Like, don't you think that that's kind of a, a common theme in humanity recently? <laughs> yeah, not not uh, just big, big uh, what's it called? Uh, make it look fancy, you know, covering it, putting like this image on it so it looks good to distract. You know, when people go up there. Polishing with, a turd? Yeah, like, you know, if you can create enough distraction that people don't actually realize how shitty it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people do that. Like, the, you know, this guy did, you know what? I'll give him props. He did a great job at convincing, you know, the untrained people. He distracted them from how bad he actually was. Right. Um, and Which that can be a talent in itself, I guess. That can be a talent in itself yeah. if you want to work for a shit industry, sure. Right. Like, that's, I, I, I don't like that. I think, yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I have really high standards and I'm, I'm aware of it. I know how strict I am, but I also, I'm not someone, I don't like to talk the talk. I walk the walk yeah. and I make sure of it. Yeah. I practice every day. I work my freaking ass off. I mean, the, I play, I play uh, those three hour shows at five threads. It's original music start to finish. Yeah. Three whole sets. I stress, I practice daily. I run my scales. I play the songs. I, I run the entire set. I, every single, the order of the songs when I, you know, all that stuff is thought through. Yeah. Because I want it to be an experience because I know what it's like. Because when I get there and I perform, I don't want to have to worry about doing everything and like, you know, making sure I want to be there and listen to that music with you. Right. I'm there to share it with you. Yeah. And if I can't provide a, a positive and a good enough experience for me to share it with you, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm basically saying fuck you to my whole audience. That is such a rare attitude to have, though. Like, and you understand oh, yeah, absolutely. that. Yeah. yeah. Because I imagine that more often than not you're not you're not coming up against people that have that same attitude and that also adds to the frustration because i feel the same way as you like i'm very hard on myself mm. and i think if you i don't know just the way that i was raised when people talked about excellence like it actually means something to me and i know what i need to do if i want to get there but also a common theme with creatives is like you never think you're good either which i think is what allows for growth but what do you think about that do you think that that's a positive thing that you never quite are satisfied with 
your skill set with well i think i think that means it's a few things i think uh there's always more to learn mm -hmm. which is why we love it so much and i think we need to start changing our perspective and remind ourselves that that is the case you know it's not that we're not good enough and it's not that we think that we're bad you know and it's okay maybe if you compare yourself to everyone else in the world sure of course someone's always going to be better than you at something right but if you let go of the comparison idea and think that why do i think i'm not good enough well it's not that i'm not good enough it's that there's more to learn and i want to do that so is it that you're not good enough or have you not made the time and commitment to do what you believe to be important mm -hmm. you know you're letting yourself down yeah. And that's okay. You don't beat yourself up over it, but don't act like you're bad because you have put in the work and you've worked on things and you know you are good to a certain extent. But like if you can't do what someone else does and you want to do that, then guess what? You have full control to do that. Yeah. You know, and uh I think it, it it's good cuz it allows growth, but it's also a perspective thing like you can't constantly put yourself down as a creative person because we do it so naturally. <laughs> Because we, we go to such a dark place. I mean, we go so deep into ourselves. It, it requires this vulnerability mm -hmm. that we have to be willing to face and willing to let out because it, yeah. it opens up so many great things. But in that moment, if something like kind of like, you know, like throwing a rock into the glass house, like if you throw a tiny little rock in a very delicate glass house, <laughs> the entire house could come down. Yeah. And that's what it's like. You go into that vulnerable state. If one thought comes into your mind, like, yeah, you're going to think you're shit. Yeah. But I, I also think there's a with all the creativity with all the vulnerability and with all the sensitivity and all the artsiness that all of us creatives talk about how we're like everything's so deep and i i, I, I kind of accentuate all this stuff because it's true there's so much of it i appreciate it and i'm glad that people want to feel this way yeah but to actually reach a level of worth it there has to be discipline there has to be principle and there has to be commitment yeah you know, people like I, I uh, just the other day I, I was had some people in the studio and uh, someone brought in a, a guest singer and uh, once again, not naming names, but um, they were talking about this writing session they did the other night and like they got super high and they were really drunk and they were up to like four in the morning and they were recording on their phone. Like they were talking about all these deep concepts and like they were like, oh, man, we should really record this because it was really good. And then I heard this person sing. I was like, I can guarantee you what you did was just a alcohol drug fueled yeah. you know, lack of sleep look at me i'm an artist staying up at night yeah now alcohol and drugs there's a, there's a lot of things that can get you to a lot of places but if you can't once again back to the practicing if you can't do what you're supposed to do how the fuck does any of that get you to a place where you actually create something great well it doesn't well, it doesn't in the first, but like if, yeah. if there was a possibility, yeah. if you don't have the commitment, if you don't have the discipline to work those, if you don't, if you can't go into that state and apply a discipline once you feel something, yeah, then you're just being pulled along for the ropes and you might never get anything done. I love that you're talking about discipline because I think that it's uh, everything nowadays to me and from my perspective is made to look like, you know, well, everybody's wanting things on a surface level, like we yeah. were talking about before. You know, like a lot of these kids are, are watching people that are incredibly successful for, I guess, being themselves. I'm trying to be respectful talking about that. But it, it's yeah. it's a little bit, it's, it's different than wanting to train yourself in a craft. You know, there's a difference between wanting to be great at something and wanting to be famous. Those yeah. are two separate things. Both of them take discipline to a certain extent, I, I suppose. But like actually becoming a great at some at something or being excellent at something takes discipline. And people don't 
teach that anymore. It's just supposed yeah. to be like, oh, either you have it or you don't have it. Like people talking about the X factor and everything. Yeah. And which I do think exists to a certain it level. It does. But but you got to back it up with discipline. But I think I and I'm going to make this clear as shit. Okay. You never know if you actually have the X factor until you've committed the time to become good at something. Yeah. Because that doesn't come out until you're fucking. X factor comes with the with the foundation of I'm good at what I do. Yes. And that's the truth for me. Yeah. And you know, and I think there's different kinds of disciplines. Like you talking about fame and like, if I want to master the guitar, I can master the guitar. If I want to become famous, I don't need to master the guitar, but I need to master becoming famous. Right. There's a discipline to everything. Yes. You know, I, I remember growing up, I grew up in the Bieber era. You know, everyone was a Bieber fan. Yeah. Um, and everyone talked shit about Bieber. I even talked shit about him when I was a fucking teenager because that's what teenage boys did. Yeah. And then I realized like, I'm being an asshole. Like that guy's out there doing what I wish I could do. Yeah. And as I got older, and I, I love I love Justin Bieber's um, chain of events because he, I mean, he messed up so much. Yeah. And instead of like trying to ask for forgiveness, he just changed who he was in his own life. Yeah. And he found what he wanted. But more importantly, he still got on that stage every night. Yeah. Put on a hell of a show. Yeah. Dealt with people in his, in his ears all day telling him who to be and how to do it, this and that. Yeah. Performed his ass off, continued to write. I mean, he continued. He was a pro. Yeah. He's a pro. Yeah. He freaking, and to come out of it and to make mistakes and come out of it and be happy, at least the way, I mean, he's portraying it, but you know, he just got married. He's releasing an album. Like he's changing his song. I was talking to, um, his tour manager the other day and uh, telling me a story about like how Beaver got a lot of shit for releasing like a quote unquote R&B record recently. Yeah. And, but like that, he said, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm writing right now. Yeah. Like X Factor, like there has to be something to back up the X Factor. Like that. you have to be good at something. Yeah. So find your discipline. Yeah. Know what it is and don't be afraid. You know, look, if you want to be famous, a lot of people are going to call you shallow. Yeah. And that's fine. Maybe it is shallow. But even the shallowest of things, in order to be great at them, you have to have discipline. Well, I think it's a matter of just being brave enough to say what you want yeah. and be honest about it. And like work I don't for have it. I don't have a problem with people saying, "Oh, I want to be famous," or "I want to be yeah. a, a musician," or "I want to be whatever." Like I think that you should be allowed to be whatever you want to be. Yeah. I just have a lot more respect for people when they own it and they they're honest with themselves and with other people about what it is that they're wanting to do instead of pretending like oh i really want to be good at guitar or whatever but what you're really after is the yeah. fame you know and watching somebody like justin bieber in particular when you're talking about the x factor like that kid can play almost every instrument am i he's a kick-ass person like yeah that, like he'll go down in history as one of the greatest artists yeah um and people are gonna ridicule me for saying that but he will you just watch and see justin bieber will go down as one of the greatest people to go go into music but when you're when you're thinking about music and obviously tastes evolve and change over time as you get older and like all of that mm -hmm. do how fair do you think it is when when you're working with an artist or you know, when when people pigeonhole them and they say, no, you're this kind of a musician, like you can only put out this kind of music mm -hmm. and then they want to do something different. And How they're like, about that. Yeah. And they're like, well, fuck you for doing that. That's not who you are. Like, what is the I guess for you being a musician, like, let's say that you're you're putting out a very specific album and then you're like five years later, you're like, I. I want to do something different. I'm going to try something different because I want to grow and change as an artist. Yeah. And there's no response to that. There's no positive response to that. Well, I'll put it this way. If you 
can't handle losing all your fans because you decide to do something new, you should find something new to do. Okay. Um, take Metallica, for example. I'm a diehard Metallica fan. Yeah. I think St. Anger is the worst album I've ever heard. Yeah. It's a load of shit to me. Yeah. Um, I love all the other albums, but Metallica changed the game every time. That's that's there. That's that they continue to be artists. They continue to be musicians. Everyone talks about how they lost this and they lost who they are, but it's like you know what? They continue to make music and do it because they want to. Yeah, and continue um, to try too. I think uh, I think that situation where people get stuck. You know, I think that comes a lot from like kind of contracts. Maybe you have like record producers and like that world's kind of dying down. But like the pop star told what you have to do. Yeah. Um, Taylor Swift suffered a lot with a lot a lot of that uh, throughout her story. Um, but I think it's your job to continuously innovate. And you know what? If you're a Tom Petty and you want to write the same shit over and over again for like however many albums. I fucking love Tom Petty. <laughs> but you know what? If that's who you are, then do it. Yeah. But if that's if that's what you feel all the way through, do it. Yeah. But, you know, if Tom Petty got to his last album and said, I'm going to fucking write a metal album because that's what I need to do. Yeah. Then he would do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, I think I have more respect for that. Like, I don't have to like it. Um, I don't have to like it to 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 know that you are a committed artist, committed creative, committed musician, whatever it is. I think it's important to know that you need to be present with how you're feeling and what you're doing. You need to pour yourself into it because that's going to be itself. Because once you finish it and release it in whatever format it is, it becomes the world's. Yeah, it's, it's everybody else's. Anymore. Yeah. Which means that you don't have the burden anymore and you need to move on. Yeah. And if you move on and you create the same stuff, that's great. Most people do. That's a good thing. There's nothing less or better. But if you need to change, you need to change. For you, it's really about authenticity and somebody really yeah. committing themselves to something that they f that they actually feel passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, I, I know some artists that only release music. They don't perform live for exactly what I just said. They don't have the capability of pulling it off. Fine. Go for it. Yeah. You know, but... You know, when you step on stage, like it's a different story. Yeah. You know, uh, it, you know, and it's like you said, you said something earlier, where like people like, oh, this is what I want to do. They own it. Like you can own what you want. And I, I appreciate people owning up to what they want in life and who they are. Mm -hmm. But if you're owning up to it as if that's what gets you the attention, then fuck off. Yeah. Because like I see that a lot too. Like, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I'm just like, you know, this is who I am. And then you go and see them like, dude, if you practiced a day in your life. Yeah. Like, have you even like listened to yourself? Have you surrounded yourself with the right people to tell you the truth? Or have you yeah, surrounded yourself? Yeah, who will yourself, say this is not good yet? Or have you surrounded yourself with people that completely feed this crap ego that's right. leading to more crap? Which more often than not is the more case. More often than not, yeah. Because I think that people are very, um, I think there's, I don't know, this is hard to talk about, but people are very uh, sensitive is not the right word. Maybe it is. But you know what I mean? It's like they don't – I feel that it is very important as a creative person in any endeavor that you choose to embark on. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have somebody in your life that will tell you you suck in a nice way. You know, it doesn't have to be super brutal. I'm just saying somebody who will be honest with you when you're coming up who's not just like blowing smoke up your ass. Because most people will blow smoke up your ass because they love you. Right. And I feel like – people are not very interested in the truth they're interested in what feels good in the moment i think yeah absolutely <laughs> showing a piece of work and wanting people like obviously artists um this was one of the questions that i had for you is like 
I know for a fact artists don't just create for themselves. Yeah, like if I couldn't do what I do, I don't know how I would live. Like mm-hmm. I have to do it. But at the same time, it's not a, a solo endeavor for me. Like what you were saying, you you write music and then you put it out in the world and it becomes every everybody else's. Yeah. Like that's an important part of the process for me. I'm not acting for myself like you're not creating music necessarily just for yourself it's to share it's to share with other people and to connect with other people but like how do you manage i guess like not getting stuck in feeling like you're the greatest thing in the world yeah or (laughs) yeah and that's a normal feeling we all feel it there's highs and lows man i mean and it's important to feel those i think um the idea of having someone that has the guts to tell you you suck, that idea is important. Yeah. You shouldn't have someone in your life that's telling you you suck. I think I think the, the better thing to search for is have the guts as yourself to go out and find someone that is better than you that you can think about when you're not around. Right. Find someone that's so good at what they do and say you're you know, I'm play, playing in the studio by myself and I'm playing that I can think like, Man, what would Charlie think of this chord progression? Yeah. What would Jimmy Page have to say about the way I organize this guitar composition? Yeah. You know, and like make sure you keep those people in your mind. Yeah. You know, like you're never alone. Mm-hmm. Because that will that will have a lot more to do, have a lot more progress for you as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, sometimes people need, you know, need to be put in their place, but I don't I think oftentimes people getting put in their place comes from strangers. Comes from going out there and putting themselves out there and getting roasted back. Um, I Which think, sucks. Yeah. I think uh, a lot like the like the I went the place I went to with uh, that guy was performing. Yeah, he only plays there, and there's a reason he only plays there. Right. Yeah. I have got played empty, and I mean fucking empty bars. Yeah. In L.A. on like a Monday night. Yeah. And it is the most humiliating, hurtful experience ever. It rips you so hard. Yeah. And it's something that you know, let's say, pay your dues. There's things that you don't have to feel that way, but I'll tell you what, I'm glad I experienced those sh- shows. I'm it, glad I dro- fucking practiced and worked and yeah. drove all the way down there two hours just to get there. Nobody's there. I mean, empty bars. It's interesting because that's an experience that I know you wouldn't wish on anyone. No, it's terrible. But at the same time, it's made you who you are now. So it's like when you're looking yeah. back at those things retrospectively, this is sort of on the topic of what mm-hmm. we were talking about before where you know you interview you're listening to interviews with people and they're very much so in a in a state of success and then everything that they're sort of talking about is, is there from that mind perspective? yeah is yeah. their successful perspective but it's like those times when you were doing that sucked it was awful it was a pride swallowing siege oh man i've i i cut gigs like almost in half to a quarter of the length i was like why the hell am i here right but, but it, it but it did something for you mm-hmm. that no one can take away. Like it's an important part of the journey, I yeah. think. Like um I guess on top of that I can still smell the bar. Really? I when you s- think about I, it. I remember the the stickiness of the floors, the color of the lights, the backdrop, the bartender, who was yeah. the only person there by the way. Um oh, fuck. The smell of it, the tabletop, I remember everything about it. Yeah. And I've done a few of them, but there was one that was, that I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget the rest of my life. Yeah. It was, it was, and it's something I, I like to think about it from time to time. What does it provide for you when you, when you think about it? Um, it's a reminder. 
that that is something that can happen at any level of success. Mm -hmm. It's a reminder that what I do is meant to be shared. Yeah. And to do it for no one is not worth it. Because I can feel my feelings without a guitar. Right. And I can talk about my feelings without a studio. <sighs> I chose this because it connects with masses. Yeah. And that's that's a commitment I made. That's a, I mean, that's I'm not going to turn my back on that. And that's what people don't understand. You made a commitment because you can you you can feel your feelings without any of this stuff. Yeah. You're choosing to share it this way. And it reminds that I, I made that choice. Yeah. And that I want to have an audience and I want to play for people because I get to share that experience with them. Yeah. And yes, sometimes it's worth it to play for one person, but I'd rather play for a thousand. Yeah. And I'd rather make a thousand of them feel important along with myself. Yeah. I, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a constant reminder. It's also a reminder that I'm allowed to put myself to at a, to a certain level and say, you know what, I'm not going to play gigs like this. Right. I'm allowed to say it's not worth my time. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to say uh, that I'm not going to pay to play. Yeah. And it, it kind of let me have some respect for myself. I love that. But uh, it's I'm and I can tell smell sticky floors, polka dot things. I mean, high tables. There was a glimmering backdrop. A glimmering backdrop. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Man. Wow. Okay. So. When you say that you would rather play for a thousand, mm -hmm. so this is what I wrote down. Uh, mm -hmm. Give me an idea <laughs> of what percentage of your playing is solely for you and what's for an audience. So I don't, like I just said, I don't believe that we create as artists, you don't create solely for yourself. But how much weight do you put on other people's opinions of your music? Or is it mostly just whatever you're feeling in that time, that time period? You're creating that and then fuck how it's received. So how much of my playing is for me and how much of it is for the reaction? Yeah. Um, or the feed. Yeah, the reaction, like any kind of that feedback. I'll say this. Zero percent of what I do is to make me feel good. It's necessity. Yeah. I cannot live my life without playing the guitar. Yeah. I cannot live my life without music. I just can't. Mm -hmm. And it's not me being like, oh, I'm emotional. Like, I will literally wither away and die. Yeah. I would rather not live. Um, that's, it's a necessity. If I try to avoid it, my, I will get sick. I've done it before. My body will cramp up. I will get sick. My mind will have dark thoughts. I'll fall apart because it's a necessity. Yeah. It's bigger than me. Yeah. It's bigger than all of us. And if we have the ability to channel it, it's not our choice. And it's never, it never was your choice. Yeah. You need to accept it and deal with it because that's your life. Yeah. Um, do I enjoy playing? 100%. I fucking love doing it. I love that that's the case. Yeah. Um, I think practice is for me because I want to be better. I think that's very much for me. Okay. It's not a, it's not a very, it's not a really a creative flow. It's more like I need to practice because I want to be better. I want to feel more freedom. So that part of it is definitely for me, I'd say. Um, but the reaction, I think when I write the music, the reaction is important, um, but I also do believe that people are rarely honest with you to your face. I think what they feel is theirs and what they share with you is surface level, which is good, which is okay. Mm -hmm. And if they, oh, hey, that song sucked or hey, I really like that song. But we feel so many emotions with music. I think all of it is for an impact. I want it to impact something, somebody. Yeah. I want them to feel something. Um, and it doesn't have to be profound. Sometimes it can be. But I want them to feel like 
you know that feeling when you listen to a great song and you feel like you're in another world? Mm -hmm. The truth is you're you're not in another world. You're you're more present than you've ever been in your life. You feel like you're in another world because all of, all of a sudden your entire being is so aligned with like the universe or whatever that yeah. it's almost like you have the power of gods. Like you have this infinite power mm -hmm. and it feels so freaking good. Yeah. In that moment, the next great idea can happen. In that moment, the next, the ne I mean, people will become super, like literal superheroes in those moments. Yeah. That's why music feels so good. Yeah. If I can provide that, then I want to do it. Now, that's a bold statement to say I can provide that, but if I'm channeling stuff and I'm feeling this stuff, I practice my ass off. I work hard to know these chords. You know, I, I pay attention to whether a song's good or not. I, I work, I critique it like crazy yeah. so that it can be something that I can channel and reach more people with. Yeah. So I think I think all of it is is for everyone. I mean, I do it because I have to. Mm -hmm. I don't have a choice. But like, and I love to, I do practice for me, but the songwriting and the performing all stuff, 100% for the people. How do you, how do you, um, because I'm a person that has stage fright, which we've <laughs> talked about a lot. Which is hilarious because you're a <laughs> successful actress. Like, honestly, I can, get in, I can get on stage in front of the entire world. The entire world could be in one crowd and I could talk into a microphone. I don't know how you. If do you that. put three cameras around me, I'd be like, Ugh! "Well, there's two right now." These are camcorders. These are not like <laughs> big, like the whole like I don't. Was, but, but, I guess for me, in the experiences that I've had, I've been in front of like thirty thousand people one time, which was terrifying. Like I actually blacked I out. I mean. I've also been in like more intimate settings where it's lesser people. When there's cameras there for me, I'm trained to ignore them, like to see them. But you pretend that all of that's not there. When you're a musician and you're on stage and you're trying to share something as um, personal mm -hmm. as music can be, that instantaneous response is what scares the shit out of me. Because when you think about it with my job, I don't, I don't see people saying anything about what I'm doing it's a few people that we trust each other and that's where the decisions are made and then it's out mm -hmm. in the world right but when you're a musician you're you're instantly getting that feedback you are seeing on people's faces you're feeling the energy and for me like that energetic exchange is a lot for me like I can feel the eyeballs on me I and it makes me feel very um overwhelmed do you feel that at all or are you the person that's like energized by that are you like what is the feeling that you get when you go on stage before i answer let me ask okay. you a question yeah if you went on stage and everyone's looking at you yeah what if you went on stage and everyone was looking away and didn't care how would you feel hmm probably pretty shitty <laughs> Yeah. Which one would you prefer? Everybody looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I like when artists are authentic on stage. Yeah. But there's a time and place for sensitivity and vulnerability. When you're creating, when you're writing, be sensitive, be creative. But when you step on stage, you have rule number one, you got to entertain. Yeah. Rule number one. That's why you have to be practiced. That's why you have to have everything on point. That's why you have to be ready to go. Yeah. In order to entertain, you have to be comfortable and you have to host. You have to host these people. Mm -hmm. um, 
for me, the more the merrier, the, the better I am. That's amazing. I like to grab the attention, not because I want the attention, but because if some if, if this music is causing enough reaction, causing enough you know eyes on me or eyes on you, know, focus, it means that something's working. Yeah. Because I'm feeling this shit too. I'm literally feeling the vibration against my body, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting it more than anybody else is getting it always, and that's something. And if I can get get those people anywhere near what I'm feeling then 100%. I, I like going on stage. I love being on stage. It's the most comfortable place in the world for me. That's very 100%. interesting. Um, a reason I asked the question before I answer this because I've played in front of like crowds that just had no interest to the point where like there's jokes going on that people were talking so loud you could barely hear me and I play freaking hard. Yeah. It's humiliating Um I think the best piece of advice, though, that I would say is everyone is this far away from quitting on you all the time. When you're on stage, everyone is this far away from quitting on you. Yeah. Don't let them. And if they do, how far away are you from quitting on yourself? Yeah. That's why we practice. Um, Damn, Hike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. I think... Um, that's a very good way to explain the relationship because I think audience performer relationship is kind of complicated to discuss. Well, you also, I mean, it's also one of the things like you have to go out and you have to play shows at different places as many as you can. Um, not to, not even to pay, like pay your dues, whatever. I mean, I, I, you know, when I'm a freaking multimillionaire and you know, when I'm, you know, selling, records or whatever when I'm number one stream I'll tell you pay your dues whatever that's what people do yeah I'm not gonna sit here and tell you to pay your dues because I'm not saying any of this shit worked for you know the success story in my eyes I'm more successful than I could ever be yeah it's all uphill man <laughs> like this is all great like just extra I love what I do yeah um what I can say is though like being in a relationship you get to know someone yeah imagine if you were dating someone and you got to see them you got to talk to them interact with them once a month for an hour <laughs> yeah. and in those uh, in that one hour you had to find a way to connect and read them and get an experience how would you act you need to know how to read the audience you need to know what kind of audience you need to have so prepared that when you step in front of it it's like okay they're not vibing with this am i just going to keep doing it and let them you know badger this into the ground or am i going to change things up am i going to throw a jam in am i going to shred am i going to sing a softer song am i going to you know sing a cover am i going to you know talk to the audience am i going to tell a joke yeah and there's things like that that has to become second nature that has become that has to become something you look forward to right you want you want to i mean walking into a room full of strangers is the greatest feeling in the world as a stage performer you have to feel that if you're walking into a room full of your friends and family that's good because i still do that from time to time yeah like that's good but if you can find one stranger let alone 100 strangers man you want to i can't forget drugs I don't, I've done many you drugs, get a rush from but that. there's no drug on the planet that can match that shit. Yeah. It's like being in the wild. You know, I, I, I used to make a joke. It was like, it was like a picking up girls, you know, girls have, can always sense when a guy's nervous. Yeah. They can like, if you go up to a girl and try to hit on her or like talk to her, you slip <laughs> up even the tiniest little bit. They smell it. Yeah. And they rip you a new one. And guys are like, oh man, my confidence. And I had friends growing up. You know, this was like the story I'd hear. I'm like, and I got a rush for it. I would just, I'd like to, I used to go like, you know, talk to girls everywhere. Yeah. Not because I wanted anything out of it or I just, I just liked it. 
Yeah. There was no, there was a fact, there was a no hesitation factor. I couldn't, I had to be fully there. I had to be me and it was forced Yeah. or else I was going to be crushed. And that's why I love the stage so much because there's no hesitation. There's just that moment. Yeah. It's everything you've got all the time. It's like a, a bunch of lions waiting to bite you. You know, it's, it's just, it's fucking rush, man. It's so good. If I could harness any of that, <laughs> <laughs> we'd be in good shape. Um, Okay, now I want to ask you, what is the biggest lesson that you learned in 2019? Oh, the biggest lesson I learned in 2019. It could be uh, about you as an artist or just as a person. What's the biggest lesson you learned? Hmm. I'm going to think for a second here. There's a few of them. I think the biggest lesson I learned um, is don't go running to the things that made you comfortable once. The more you chase what is the right thing to chase, the more you go after what you want and the more passion you feel, the harder it's going to get. Not because it's supposed to, but that's just how it works. Yeah. And it's not that the tasks become harder. It's that you want it more. You always want it more. The more you get closer, you start to want it more. Yeah. And you open up to a lot more chaos. Yeah. But we're people, we're human, and we get tired emotionally. Um, And at our low points, when we can't seem to get out of them, instead of turning to drugs or anything like that, anything numbing, we oftentimes will convince ourselves that there was once something that comforted me in a certain way. And I'm sure if I had that right now, it would fix the problems. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. It's never going to fix it. It's only going to take you back to a place of you're not, you're not, you're not there anymore. Right. You know, uh, money's not going to fix anything. Um, certain people aren't going to fix anything. Someone saying the right thing isn't going to fix anything. There's nothing to fix. You mm-hmm. just want something really bad. And it's okay to be beaten up. Yeah. But like I said about quitting, like everyone's this, every, everything and everyone is this far away from quitting on you. Yeah. Don't quit on yourself. Yeah. Um, I think the most important lesson is that uh, just, yeah, just to not go running back to things that make you comfortable. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. huge. Yeah. That's huge. And I, because it, it is really hard in the moment when – because this is another thing that people don't talk about is like the better that you get at something and the, the further along that you get on the path, like you said, it does get harder mm-hmm. and the pressure is more and mm-hmm. there's more eyeballs on you. And there's like all of these other things that come into this this dream that you've built for yourself. Sure. Um, being OK with being uncomfortable. Yeah. With sitting with it sometimes like that's a huge that's a very important lesson because I'm not I mean nobody's good at it all the time but I think just being cognizant of like discomfort is a part of the process and it's really okay it's okay like you said it's okay to get beat up yeah and you know you should and you will yeah (laughs) well it's like it's like it's like an opposing force you know the more you push on something yeah the heavier it's gonna feel you know imagine imagine going up to a brick like a building and like putting your hands on it you can't tell how sturdy it is. And then you start pushing all your might into it. And, it's, and of course, it's not moving, but you're putting so much energy and all of a sudden that building feels heavier than it did when you were just 
laying your hands on it. Yeah. Building it and change how you're pushing, you know, the more you push into it changes. Yeah. You know, think about that. Like the more you push for something, the more you want something, the more you give to something, like there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be an opposing force. Yeah. And you have, you have to be, you have to recognize that. And you know what, if the opposing force is going to be a reason to quit, then really, you know, sit down and question what, what you actually want. But you know, it's okay to be beat up. It's okay to fall apart. I, that's why, that's why when you know, you hear it so much, surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. That's why that's important. Not because you need people to, you know, hype you up all the time because sometimes you can't be there for yourself as yeah. well as you need to. Yeah. And some of us out there are alone. Like there's a lot of people that are out there that have nobody. My biggest advice to those people is don't it's scary to go out and share yourself because you're tired of being rejected or maybe you won't be understood. Yeah. There's something that you're doing that you're not recognizing right now in your life that you love doing. Yeah. That if you can realize it, share that. Yeah. Don't talk about yourself. Share that. I guarantee you it'll lead to something. Absolutely. I think people don't I mean you don't have to talk about who you are all the time. People are afraid. But there's, you know, someone like maybe you're at home writing, you know, mystery novels. Yeah. Maybe you're, you know, making origami. Find that thing that you like to do. Don't think about how successful you but start letting people know you do it. Yeah. And just be, I think, being aware of or becoming aware of what lights you up. Yeah. Is Big huge time. for your life. Just because it's, you know, again, it's not about the outcome because you have no idea what the outcome yeah. will be. Like, you didn't, when you were three, you weren't sitting there being like, you know, when I'm 24, this is, X, Y, and Z is going to be in place or whatever. You didn't think about that. It just lit you up inside. Yeah. And then you just wanted to do it all the time. Hell yeah. And there's nothing, I think, to add to that, it's like there's nothing that's really stupid if that's what makes you feel happy and content. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of obviously people have a platform now because of social media that they could just say whatever to anyone. But like I never knock anybody for being interested in something, even if I don't get it. It's like that's a really lucky thing. There are so many people that are just completely unaware of anything that they're passionate about. And that breaks my heart. You know, like I feel lucky and I know you feel lucky that you've identified the thing that makes you feel alive yeah, I mean it's uh it's and that's the thing is like we can't relate to people that don't Mm-mm. that have never felt passionate about something. But I and that and that's kind of like a lot a big part of the podcast, which is like why I started is to make people understand like we're all creative. Yeah, I know it sounds super cliche, but even on the smallest, tiniest, almost microscopic level, if you can find something that, like you said, lights that fire for a split second, mm-hmm. pay attention to it. It's so, it's such a simple concept but it is so hard sometimes yeah to just know that that feeling is enough to start something you know because there's like you were saying earlier there's just so much advice (laughs) flying around by all these (laughs) motivators and whatever but it really is that simple is yeah is paying attention to yourself and being being aware when you get that that feeling and it could be the tiniest thing or other people could think it's stupid and it doesn't matter if that's what brings you alive like that's absolutely what you should be doing and what you should be following yeah. i mean in, in the social media thing like just because you post something and like you get responses doesn't mean that's what you're lit up about no not at all and i feel like that's what's becoming an issue is like a lot of the posting a lot of like oh i'm starting a, a art page i'm starting a this page it's like 
I'm glad, you know, people want to share, but are you freaking stoked on that? Now, don't get me wrong. You don't have to be stoked on it every day because right. you're not going to be. But like, like if, if you, if like today was your last day, is that what you would do? Yeah. Is that what would you spend your time doing? I don't think people think like that often enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously <clears throat> can take it too far and I don't know if you do the same thing, but I can be incredibly morbid because that's what sort of keeps me in that headspace where sure, I'm just yeah. like, well, fuck it. We're all going to die. So. Oh yeah. I tell myself all the time. Yeah. Like, what if you die? I te it's not good because it's it's a lot. But, like, I do get into different phases where I'll wake up every day and be like, what if this is the last thing? What are we going to do today? What if, you know, something bad could happen tomorrow and I could be gone? Like, I don't want to be. My biggest fear is waking up one day being 80 years old and thinking about all the things that I didn't try because I was scared. Yeah. What is your biggest fear my biggest ah, man my biggest fear i think in regards to that concept yeah for me is i could die at any moment and yeah I, and i and i lived my life the way i wanted to i did it the way i wanted um and if anybody out there doesn't really have like that special thing their number one passion or whatever it is you know us like us crazy artists or whatever um could you die right this second and could you leave behind like I live my life the way I want. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I did what I wanted. Yeah. I did. I do every day. Yeah. Now, every, and there's obviously things you don't want to do that you have to do, but who yeah. I am, do do I mean have I do have I was I myself? Did I do those things? Like, and if you're not, you know, start. Well, I think because the truth is nobody freaking cares. Yeah. Nobody actually cares as much as you think they do. No one gives a shit what you're doing on vacation. No one gives a shit how much money you're going to make. No one gives a shit yeah. if you're the best guitar player or the worst guitar. No one actually cares. And if they do, it's for that split second and then they go home and then they have their own life to live. Yeah. So whose time are you actually wasting? Yeah. And I think the other the other piece of it that that I've heard a lot is that, you know, when you were saying you're always this close to like, people are always this close to giving up on you and yeah. not to give up on yourself. Like, I think that people get really wrapped up in timelines. And, oh, yeah. You know, I'm supposed and, to be here at this yeah. time. And when it's just allow yourself, well, especially with cancel culture, is like nobody's allowed to evolve anymore. You know, like we're not rewarding people for being like, hey, 10 years ago I was kind of a dirtbag and, and I've grown and evolved and now I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. And, and everybody just turns around and be like, you know, well, fuck you, because 10 years ago you did that instead of looking at the new person. It's like, don't do that to yourself. That's and, and profound. And be willing to say, I don't like this, or, you know, I do like this, and these things need to change. Like, don't be afraid to, to change. Like, you can, every passing moment is a chance to turn everything around. It just takes that split second. I like that, because I, I think there's a huge difference between, you know, Giving up has the implication that you never tried in the first place. Yeah. If you decide to change your mind, you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, but if you never tried, like if, you know, if I, uh, if I, you know, decided like, you know what, I want to be a rock star, but I'm giving up and I never picked up a guitar. <laughs> that's giving up. It's legitimately giving up. Yeah. You know, but people that say like, oh, that person just gave up along the way. It's like, well, did they give up or did they just change their mind? Now, don't know. People give up all the time. Yeah. But when you look at yourself the way you're like the way you're talking about like i agree like you have to look at yourself and say it's okay to change my mind yeah 
And it doesn't matter what anybody else's perception of that is because it is your life and it is your time. And it is your timeline. Like if you're, you're the yeah. person that thinks very linear, linearly, <laughs> linearly, I don't know if it's a word. It, it is <laughs> difficult to feel permission to shift. Yeah, permission. That's that's a big one. But you don't need it. Like that's that's illusory in itself too. Is like you don't need it. You can give yourself that permission to just shift and and change. Like well, the other thing is, I think the ability to give yourself permission comes from you know seeing somewhat clearly at yourself. You know, people have a hard time looking at themselves in the mirror. You know, yeah. because it's humility. And like I said earlier, the hardest thing for anyone to do is face their own humility. Fear itself is not a big deal. Yeah. It's the humility that we feel. Um, and being able to look at that and grow from that means you're able to look at yourself. And facing your own humility doesn't mean that you, oh, I fucked up. I'm giving up. It means that you look that you did something wrong in your own eyes. Because yeah. that's what humility is. Yeah. You did something wrong according to your moral compass, but you're ready to change that. Yeah. That's where giving up comes into play. That's where changing comes into play. Right. Yeah. But like sort of what you were saying earlier too is that, you know, there's it's one thing to take accountability and responsibility over your journey and to self-reflect and say, you know, I don't like this anymore. I'm changing my mind about this. There's a huge cab chasm between that, that self-accountability and just beating the shit out of yourself for making a mistake because making mistakes is human. We make them every mm -hmm. day. It doesn't have to be that dramatic in somebody's mind. I do that a lot. Okay, you're getting to a level now where you're just abusing yourself because you're a human being and something didn't go the way you would have preferred. Yeah. But you tried and you showed up and it just didn't it didn't pan out the way that you wanted to. Like it's fine to say to yourself, oh, I made a mistake, or I don't want to do that again. That didn't feel right. Yeah. There's a huge chasm between that and being like, you piece of shit, like, you should give up, you should stop, you're a failure. Like, that sort of self-talk is way different than what we're talking about with taking accountability for... Yeah, huge difference. Yeah. Um, I think... And I don't think a lot of people understand that. <laughs> I did I did a and a episode... Uh... The first one I did was by myself, um, and someone asked, uh, some, I think it was a question about the inner critic or something like that, and I, and I made this, and I, and I stand by this, there's a difference between your inner critic and the inner monologue. Yeah, um, that's for sure. And you need to recognize the difference, and you need to be able to separate the two, appreciate both, but like, your inner monologue isn't your inner critic. Mm -hmm. Your inner monologue isn't this voice judging you. Your inner monologue is something that you are creating mm -hmm. and you have full power over. So if you have full power over this and you're creating something that's hurting you and beating yourself up, I think you need to ask yourself, am I healthy mentally? Am I healthy physically? Am I healthy in my life? Or are there other parts of my life, other things that I need to work on in order for me to achieve this thing that I want? Right. And I think that's the biggest mistake that, especially in a creative world, we all grow up and we all know no one's perfect. No parents have raised their kids perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, no one grows up to become the perfect person. And the one of the best parts about life is being able to go back and like, hey, these are things I need to correct. That's what growth is. Yeah. Um, so being a creative person and being an artist or anybody that wants to share anything, 
you have to go to these vulnerable places. And if you're beating yourself up, you have to realize in order to get to what you want to share, you have to fix this person. Not, I get it, fix is not the right word. You have to grow this person. And you have to recognize that, hey, if I'm beating myself up and I have full power over this voice in my head, then something's wrong with how I feel about myself. What caused this? Mm-hmm. Or even better, how do I start incorporating daily activities or things, whether it's meditation or going to the gym or just anything um, to start reminding myself that I have control over that voice and I can make it whatever I want. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to recognize that we have control over the inner monologue. We have full control and we need, it, it needs, it should be nice. It should be encouraging. It should be everything we want it to be mm-hmm. because our inner critic is something we need to listen to. Like it's going to roast us yeah. but, and we, and our inner, having the inner monologue, having that inner self that like is, takes care of us, allows us the capability to look at the criticism and grow from it. Right. But if you're, if you're, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to me because like I beat myself up. We all do it. But we have full control over what we tell ourselves. Yeah. But that's what's, I mean, you were saying it earlier too, is that that's the the part of it that is exhausting. Is because if you've become accustomed to having a parrot brain, you know, that's just repeating and regurgitating a bunch of negative stuff that's either been, you know said to you or you you know said around you and it's something that you've absorbed like it takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline to retrain your brain to be your friend to be more of your friend than your than your enemy and it's exhausting yeah you know when you're trying to switch that over and and take control and take responsibility and realize like oh i i can change how this voice sounds in my head what it's saying to me it takes so much work and it's hard. And I think that's why... Sorry, real quick. Can you touch the mouse pad real quick? Yes. Is, Is it, it clicking? It did not die just now. I think it died. Is it not clicking? Uh-uh. All right, real, real quick. <laughs> Sorry, switch places. <laughs> Hold that thought, though. The parrot brain. We're going to keep this. Okay. Oh, my God. Did it die? It did. Wait, did it, like, totally die? Yeah, my computer died. How did that happen? It was plugged in. I don't know. When did when it's did okay. it die? I'll use the audio from the from the cameras. When did it die? <laughs> like halfway through that last. This is not happening. You can talk to the cameras now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going over the questions to see what else I have left. plugged in and everything? Yeah. Damn! Well, those of you listening, you're listening to a camcorder audio right now, so if it sounds bad... That's why. That's why. We had technical difficulties. What is happening? Did you get an error message? Okay. Why don't you just stay on that side? Just in case. Just in case. Alright, I think... Are we back up? Are we back up? Hello? Do you want to switch back? Hello. Do you want to switch back or you want we to stay should, there? Yeah, we should switch back. I'll just, I mean, I'll see it from over there. Okay. And we're going back oh, to normal audio. Back. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to roast everyone like that. Oh, snaps. Um, it shows it's charging next to the number, right? Up in the right hand corner. Yeah. It's yeah. at 1%. Oh, man. We're living on the edge here. I like it. We really are. Wow. That's never happened before. It was plugged in. How did it not charge? I don't know. 
Well, I, I can use the audio from the cameras. It'll be fine. I don't edit anything so that everyone's going to listen to all of this. All of this? Fantastic. That's right, guys. Authenticity all the way through. <laughs> a lot of people have an issue with that, by the way. Anyway. Do they really? Well, guess. They're just like, oh, what if I say something stupid? I'm like, yeah, that's the then, point. Then don't say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were talking about the idea that you are... Oh, when you were talking about control, right? That That's the, the part that you have control, you have control over yeah. your inner monologue. Mm-hmm. And you're Where were about, we going with that? Well, you were talking about having like a parapet, like if you're just constantly regurgitating everything you heard. Yeah. That it's exhausting. I think that that's what I was talking about. That's why a lot of people give up on it is because it takes a lot of work to actually make your brain your friend if you've had. Yeah. Which I feel like everybody has had that. Like everybody's got their well, shit that, course, that yeah. they've been indoctrinated with that they wish well, it's also I've never had because it, it's affecting how they interact in the world. Yeah. And it takes so much discipline to get to a point where you're like, oh, okay. Like, I don't have to be afraid of what I'm going to say to myself anymore. It's hard. You know, it's, uh, I feel like that relates so much to the fact that we live in an era that we see everyone else all the time with this, with social media, for example. Oh yeah. Like, I think the reason why we're we are so we're so naturally jumping to beating ourselves up because the time that we should spend looking inward, we're looking at everyone else, and not only are we looking at us, we're looking at everyone else's fake. Yeah, everybody else's. But for yeah, and you know, the crazy thing is like you can have this conversation with anyone, and they'll agree. Yeah, it's not true, but yet we all still are affected by it. Like we're not we're missing out on something. Like we know it's not fully authentic. We know it, we're not sitting with that person. We know right. we're not vibing with them. And we still seem to take it as a belief, like that's really what it is. And then we start beating ourselves up in our mind, and then we have to remind ourselves it's not real, and that we can be nice to ourselves. But it's like, but that's what I'm that saying is exhaust. is insane. It's exhausting because I, you can't yeah. just like snap to it. It's very weird. Like, oh, that's just social media. Like, well, I can't. It? I yeah. Like, I feel the exact same way because I do have to. I have to talk to myself, especially when it comes to social media stuff. I have to talk myself out of that whole emotional rabbit hole, which I feel like a lot of people are experiencing too. I know that I'm not like alone in that. I'm yeah. just saying Dude, the process of like being on the, on Instagram or whatever and scrolling and feeling like crap and then getting to the place where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good again. Cause that is a huge time period because I'm having to tell myself what you just said. Like that's their highlight reel. This is a separate person. You don't even know them in real life. Who cares? Like you, it takes an yeah. active participation to get out of that psychological. Well, then it makes me wonder, like you talk about active participation, like it's your mind. You should be actively participating all the time, right? Yeah. So it's like, if that's exhausting us, are we spending enough time actually using our mind no. properly? You know, um, so there's, there's a lot of questions that come into play when it comes to the idea of, sorry. Miss mm. <laughs> 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 Goose. <laughs> but there's a lot of questions that come into play when we're talking about the idea of you know us having to snap back into it, um, and maybe social media is a blessing in a sense that it's the one thing that can pretty much yell at us like, hey, we're not mentally strong as we thought we were. It's a daily reminder, yeah. for sure. So because it this... it makes me personally regress into whatever I experienced in middle school yeah. like that's that's but here's the what crazy I part to. even back in middle school like if you removed social media if you just went like i i did a thing i, I kind of went off for a little bit yeah if you removed it 
you might not feel as bad, but you didn't solve the problem. No, you just... It's like middle school. You yeah. may have gone out of middle school, but it doesn't mean that you could go back and handle it. No. You know, and that Are can, you kidding me well, see, now? Like, that's, but that's the thing. It's like we have to realize that just because we remove something out of our life doesn't mean that we got rid of the problem. We just, got, we just removed the one thing that exposed an, a real issue. Are we going to do something about it? Yeah, it's sort of like not keeping sweets in the house. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, like, it doesn't mean that you know. It doesn't mean that you're not going to gorge on chocolate if you, you know, for a dessert if cake. If anybody you to brings yeah. any of it to the house, and, yeah. and that's the truth, you know. And like, um, especially with social media, like when you look at it, you see things that people have. Uh, I'm, I'm, I like to read a lot. Yeah. Um, Emerson is my favorite writer of all time. Yes. I recommended him to you the other day. Yes, you did. Um, but his most famous essay that everyone's read is "Self Reliance," and I, I like quoting it because everyone, you know knows it well i like to think everyone knows it. it's his most famous one it's really well written it's phenomenal it's just packed full of just ugh, juicy stuff my favorite line in it is uh he says envy is ignorance imitation is suicide and it's basically referring to the idea that every every person that tries to go after what they want yeah there comes a time he says like there comes a time in every man's education when he learns that envy is ignorance imitation is suicide and it's true the idea that we envy something is literally when you break it down is pure it's it's just us being ignorant to the fact that we have the capability to get what we want right but we rather be envious because it takes work imitation is suicide well we if we see someone that we like like i like james hetfield right if mm -hmm. i did i'm going to copy james hetfield start to finish everything he's done in his life that's suicide because the only thing that gives us our uniqueness in life is our ability to make our choices right and if we can remind ourselves that envy is just our ignorance, imitation is us giving you know suicide, it'll say, hey, I don't want to do everything you do. I don't want to be just like you. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to sit here and, and all over you. I'm going to do what I think I can do for myself to get to a place that I want. Right. So there's that. That's it. That's you read it, man. Read some. Oh, everyone go out and read. Uh, it's, it's his essays, though. It. Ralph Waldo Emerson, his essays. Read his essays. They're all ugh, man. guidance in life right there. That that was a that was a <laughs> gut punch right there. Oh, Wait, how many more questions am I allowed to ask you? How long is this? We can been? go as long as you Is it charging? Is it at more than 1%? Oh, girl. Yeah, 8%. Okay, good. That means it's working. Nice. Oh, that's gonna be a bitch and a half to put that that uh, so camera audio in. Why am I saying sorry? I didn't do it, but like, yeah. Also, sorry. You're the worst. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. How could you? Um, <laughs> I have good ones in here, but like, some of them you've already touched on organically through conversation. Organically. Um, what's this song? This is what I really want to know because you actually a couple months ago put on your Instagram. You asked everybody what um how did you phrase it it was like what song is really um meaningful to you at this at this point in your this life this was a while ago yeah i did a selfie video i remember this this was a this was a huge change for me in my life yeah this was that memory we talked about what changed in 2019 yeah that, that was that time song was right in the it was in the week that that big it was the same week okay that song ignited that feeling ignited that lesson by the way, the song is I Guess I Just Feel Like by John Mayer. Great song. Listen to it. Yeah. Because we all feel like he just said. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So what I was going to say, what is the what is a song that changed your life? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, 
that song changed my life in that time. It was necessary. It came out of nowhere. And it wasn't even, I mean, it was fairly new, but it wasn't like released that day or that week. Right. It just happened to come on the radio and it fucking ripped me. Just open and showed myself to me. Yeah. Songs that changed my life. Okay. And why? Um, I have a list. Of, my favorite song in the entire world ever is Achilles' Last Stand by Led Zeppelin. Um, I was, and I'd listened to the song before, but I was, man, I think I was 12 or 13. I was like seventh or eighth grade. I think it was eighth grade. And I'm not going to go into details, but something had happened and I was paranoid. I was stressed out. I was, couldn't tell if I wanted to vomit, cry or punch a hole in the wall. Um, I was, I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. I mean, everything that a 13 year old could have felt with a very traumatic situation times like a million. And I remember I was standing in my room and I was like holding my phone, just like pacing back and forth. And I had Zeppelin playing and all of a sudden Achilles last stand came on. I've heard the song a hundred times at this point in my life. Right. And for that 10 minutes, I was invincible. I was a superhero. Everything I did was justified. Yeah. Who I was, was the most important thing in the world. And man, I, I, I can I just even talk about, I remember that feeling. Yeah. And it was perfect. It was perfection. <laughs> when people say, can you describe perfection? I think of that song in oh, that wow. moment. Yeah. That song changed my life. Another song that totally, you know, um, Glass Animals, The Other Side of Paradise. It's on okay. a, that whole album of uh, How to Be a Human Being by the Glass Animals is, I think, one of the best albums ever created in history of music. Never heard it. Worth a listen. Okay. And read up on it. Anybody that listens to that album, read up on that album. Okay. So crucial. Fucking genius work of art. Okay. But The Other Side of Paradise, that song, uh, when I first heard it, it's all it's all about this like uh, person that wants to become a rock star and leaves the hometown, leaves their love and goes out to find out. It's like, oh, they get caught up in the rush of being famous and this and that only to regret leaving what they truly loved kind of thing. It's kind yeah. of like the that whole story. But the way the production of it, the sounds, the lyrics, just everything about it, in a sick way, it made me want it more. Because I want, I it was it was to the point where like I felt this song so much mm. that I wanted to go out and fuck up mm. and miss what I left left behind just so I could feel the song more. I I've done that. Like I wanted to go through that so much more just so I could feel the song even more. But that's how romantic it was to you. Oh my god! Like, yeah. I just got the chills thinking. Oh, yeah. I have I I love that you feel that same way because I have I have songs like that and I know I know when I need to feel something like when I'm really needing music is everything. Well, to you me. once told me that you make playlists for your roles when you're oh, getting yeah. for roles. So so that's actually a big question. So like with same question to you like what are songs that changed your life? Um first of all Elvis Okay. All right. Just as a human being changed my life when it's I was little. It's a controversial statement, but. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Very controversial statement, but yeah, go Very. for it. Um, but Bob Dylan's I Threw It All Away mm -hmm. was probably one of the first times that I ever sort of. I've always been a romantic person, even when I was little. Yeah. Like, I've always... Grandiose ideas. Yes. Yeah. With everything. I with feel you. With human beings, with career, with everything. Um, 
that song was the first time that I remember feeling like I wanted to be involved with a boy. Huh. And it made me want to have my heart broken. Oh, isn't music... I mean, think about that. Music (laughs) made you want to feel something you never even understood. No. Like... Isn't that wild? Like, that's why I love... I love hearing your connection to it because I so relate with, like, I just want to go and, like, do a thing so that I can understand where Dylan was when he wrote that. Have you ever seen the movie Almost Famous? Yes. The greatest line in that movie, maybe in of all movies for me, yeah, is one of the groupies sits down. The original groupies with uh, one of the bandmates is looking at the new young groupies, and she's talking about like how they don't appreciate music. And she like looks at the guy and she says, "Have you ever listened to a piece of music and you've loved it so much that it physically hurts?" Yes. And I'm like that. That me. That me. It. Let me think about it. It made you want something you didn't even know existed. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't understand. You didn't understand it, but you wanted it. It's weird, too, because then as I obviously this is also the great part about music. And I'm sure you feel this way, too, is like you can grow with the things that with the pieces of music that you love. And then at different points in my life, similar songs have changed meaning for me. They're still like it will always be a pivotal moment. That will always be a song that changed my life. But then, you know, well, 20 years later when I actually experienced, like, unrequited love, it wasn't as – I understood the pain, but it wasn't as romantic as I thought. Like, it was so – Isn't that great, though? Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's how you know a song is – that's how great what great songs are. Yeah. People are like, how do you determine a great song? One of the ways – let me clarify one of the ways – uh, determine determine a great song is that alone the ability to tap into something that is more than a detail yeah the details come from our experiences yeah the detail for you when you were a kid is I want to go have my heart broken by a boy yeah and then the same song years later made a, a different a impact. different impact yeah because it allowed you to feel your life it allowed you to fill in the details yeah now I'm I'm very uh, back and forth with Bob Dylan I think Bob Dylan was a great songwriter yeah um, I think everyone else performs it better because I think he's a terrible guitar player and singer. Well, um. I, this is what's interesting <laughs> is that I don't listen to his music. So when I heard that song for the first time, I wasn't You're a Dylan like, fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't about... It was just a great song. Yeah, it wasn't about him. Like, I didn't even know who sang it. Yeah. Um, I believe that my dad played that for me. Wow. And so I didn't... I didn't know. I just was, like, listening oh, so to music. Cool. What a yeah. great story. I freaking love that. Yeah, but oh. it's like... And you love movies too. So yeah. like music is obviously so important to that whole experience oh, as well. And I don't know if people like I just interviewed Mark Leggett. He's a TV composer. Yeah. Uh, a lot uh, 2 weeks ago I did him. I I mean, we talked about a lot of it's incredible. It's it's something that people just never really sit down and think about. They don't cuz if you took the music out of a movie and it, it was just everything. like me walking down a hallway, you'd be like, "What is what's happening? <laughs> what's trying to be communicated here?" Like yeah. music is everything. When people ask the question, "Would you rather go blind or deaf?" Like for me, I couldn't I couldn't not have music. I feel like a part of my soul would die if I didn't have that because I am so affected by it. It's crazy. You want to know something sick? I think you, I'd rather go deaf. 
Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I know. I you know I'm I'm still I've never shared that. Yeah. I'm still working on explaining it, but I know I'd rather go deaf. Interesting. I I don't know. I don't. And know. you could and and based on what you said a little bit ago, like that if you can't play your guitar, you'd I'd still wither play my away. guitar. Yeah. But if you couldn't hear it, would you not care? Is it just the act of playing the guitar? It's vibration against your body. Your body still feels it. Yeah. Plus, I've been playing long enough that I can get somewhat of an idea of what could sound good. Dang. But I'd rather go deaf. That's wild. I, th- I haven't quite put enough thought into figuring out why, but I think it has a lot to do with that if I wasn't able to see beauty, yeah. I wasn't able to look at the world for what it is in front of me and have my own, then I I only have my mind to look at. And I don't I don't think I'm that great. I don't think I could just be stuck with my own mind for so long. Now that you say it like that, I don't know if it's I yeah. Either. No, it's it's scary, right? Imagine never seeing no, anything. No, like don't want either of those things yeah. to ever happen. I'm just saying, like I was just trying to communicate how, <laughs> it's, how it's, much it, I love music. <laughs> that's something I've thought about that a lot, though. Yeah, that's a it's a heavy yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that's that's one of the songs that you gave to. Yeah. So what is music to you then? What is music to me? Yeah. Man, to me, something to be understood, I guess. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, music, it's sound vibration, right? Sound waves, physical existence. Yeah. Reality, Mm -hmm. as real as anything else. If anything more real, it manipulates everything it touches, it vibrates it, it, it literally... It moves the space of something. Mm-hmm. Everything we understand is time and space. It re- it moves things out of that. Yeah. Um, but somehow it cures us. It, it really cu- does. It cures our condition, our ability to, our, our condition to constantly need each other, to want to connect, to want to be intimate, to want to make more of ourselves, to want to hate, to want to hurt, to... To find purpose, it continuously cures that. Yeah. And we don't have to do anything. We just It just has to be there. Um, and no matter what we do, it's pure. Music is untouchable. It's sound waves. We can't change that. Yeah. But we can create it. We can we can channel it. I think it's something bigger than anything we could ever fathom. And it, and it, and it's, it just wants to be understood the way we want to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't require as much as one person would from the other. Yeah, it doesn't require it at all. But if you if you dedicate, I mean, like musicians, if you dedicate your life to it, understand that it's this vast, infinite, you're never going to fully understand it. But if you can understand it for a moment and channel it, that's what music is to me. It's it's an impact. It's it's our connection. Yeah. It's our reason. It's our it's the it's the remedy to everything we constantly feel. Oh yeah, sometimes music is like the only reprieve. Yeah. You get in a day sometimes. Yeah. Just because it has it's that magical ability to transport you to anytime. Like yeah. when I listen to Elvis Presley, I always think about being little. That's how my parents taught me to make my bed is to that uh they got me a little tape. And so, you know, just the fact that I could not remember that memory on its own but you play Elvis and like you said when you were playing that show and you can remember how that bar smelled and you mm-hmm. remember the 
it's crazy how well, your intertwined senses, yeah. all of that is. Well, think about, I mean, like the sense nostalgia. of smell. Yeah, nostalgia. But like you smell something or it takes you back to a certain time. But like, yeah. and everything has its sense. But with music, it's not, you don't even hear it. But because it, vi it vibrates, your, your body vibrates. You're, yeah. You're just resonating. Like you're literally changed than mm -hmm. what you normally are. Yeah. In every way. It's so magical. But it's true, and it's it's. I mean, it's scientific. Yeah. You're, everything about you changes for a moment. It's so it's dope. Out of place. Yeah. I love but that. But it feels. I mean, it's. Yeah. We can go on that for hours, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to end it with the question that you asked me when you ended my interview. Mm. What's advice that you would give? <laughs> you gave really good advice already, so I don't even know why I'm asking this. But... My advice. No, I'm not some guru here. I'm not some smart, crazy person. I mean, I haven't been doing this my life. I'm not even, you know, successful to most people in their eyes. I think my advice is number one, no matter what you do, it's channeling who you are. So get to know that person. Number two, if you say you want something, it means you give 100%, not 99. It's okay to have hobbies. Those are 99s. Yeah. Um, number three, Every day we're making commitments. When you step on stage, you make a commitment. When you wake up and put on your shoes, you make a commitment. Everything is commitment. Mm -hmm. Even on the most, like, I committed to wearing these shoes today or for the next hour until I take them off. I committed to playing this show until it's done. I committed to running my scales. Know your commitments and have enough discipline to stand by them because the infinite freedom of being a human being comes from mastering that skill. Yeah word dude yeah practice <laughs> you killed it <laughs> that was my first interview so <laughs> you slayed it i hope so i hope everyone liked it no it's really good you're Thank always you for doing this this was so cool by the way everyone listening tina asked me to do this i didn't reach out to her to do this. <laughs> that i've been i've been waiting a long time for someone to off because I've, I've been so curious to try being a guest how this did was you feel awesome. did that you was like a great it? interview you had some great questions that was okay, awesome good. that was I mean, I awesome. wasn't totally on top of my game, but this is also you my first, this is my first time interviewing somebody. It's not easy, is it? No, it's very difficult yeah. because I wanted to ask you like eight questions with every answer that you had. I was like, oh, wait, wait, remember that he said that. Remember mm -hmm. that it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Not that I thought it was easy at no, all. No, I know. But like, but you start to realize, like <laughs> wait a saying. minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're rad. Rock and roll. Hey, Faith. Peace. Peace.